You're listening to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon. Now, I'm super, super excited to welcome back to the studio the one and the only Cruzad McCalligan. Cruzy, it's great to see Hello. you. Hello, good afternoon. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. It's a horrible day outside. Is it? It just won't make up its mind. Wow. You know, just commit. Commit to what you're going to do today. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. looking at the weather forecast behind you, and it's 84% that's, relative that's humidity. A stupid amount of relative humidity. You know, like, just commit. Like 85%, 88%, just commit. I'm anyway. Just, I'm just looking at the walls in the studio. It's <laughs> it's peeling. <laughs> anyway, um, but that's not what we're talking about. No. What are we talking about this today week? Today, we are talking about firefighting. And I have a little bit of a funny motive for this, because... I um every day on my way to work I I'm on the minibus and I go past the Wafu fire station, right? And a couple of years ago they had an open day and I missed it. And I am every day I'm just waiting for that poster to come up again for like the open day at the Wafu fire station. And I don't know why you're finding this so funny. So anyway, um what I have a no, okay. To. And the reason is that I've secretly realized in the last few years of my life that um I kind of wish I'd become a firefighter and I would have really liked to have been a firefighter, which sounds ridiculous. I'm a copywriter. I'm not a firefighter. I, you know, I'm not, I mean, you might see me on Facebook Live. I'm not the world's most, um, I would say, uh, I'm not a physical specimen of note, but I, I, I think about this now and I think about the fact that I would have quite liked a career that was a little bit more physical, like maybe a police officer or a firefighter. And I think about firefighting now. Every time I go past the fire station on the bus, I think I could have been a firefighter. And I actually probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have been very good. Or, it's never too late. But it's, uh, everyone says this, but I, th- I, I think it's too late for me now, if I'm being honest. But the point is... It's a noble profession. It's an incredible profession. And it makes me think about the profession. I think about it every day as I go past and I see, you know, I see all the firefighters, I don't know, like washing their truck. I'm not sure what they do otherwise when they're not fighting fire. But it makes me, re- it was made me really, really think about firefighting. And in Hong Kong, um, the fire firefighters have quite a stellar reputation, actually. They're very well regarded. And I'm going to talk a little bit later about specifically fire- firefighting in Hong Kong, because that's a complete, like, it's very unique and it's very interesting in its own right. But a little bit of history of firefighting first, um, because when we talk about firefighting, what are we actually talking about? So um, we're talking about techniques and equipment um, used to extinguish fires and limit the damage caused by them. That is literally what firefighting is. There is a fire, you fight the fire. Um, it consists of removing one or more of the three elements essential to combustion, and that is fuel, heat, and oxygen, um, or of interrupting the combustion chain reaction. So there's like, this is the thing about fire as well, is it's a science, and which is another reason I don't think I would have been a very good firefighter. I'm not particularly scientifically minded. Even though it's, the dream's alive, okay, but I don't think the skills are there to back it up. So there's, it's a real science how a fire works. And I don't know if, have you ever been, um, I, I don't mean to ask you this on air, but have you ever been in a fire or in proximity to a, a fire? No, I, very luckily not. But right. yeah, sometimes I wonder how one would react, you know, would I have a wet cloth just in case the smoke got yep. to me? And these thoughts also these run things in you my don't head. Know. So I, I remember as a child, there was a fire where I lived and we got woken up in the middle of the night. There was... The fire alarm was ringing and um, someone ripped open our door and yelled fire like you're supposed to yell fire and we got got pulled out of bed I remember having to wake up my sister she didn't wake up with the fire alarm Um, at the time I think my mum was overseas and my dad was working really late and um, I remember the smell of smoke 
And it was scary. It was really scary. And I was quite young. And we went and stayed with some family friends that night because they kind of had to evacuate everyone. And our prop, you know, our, our apartment was fine. Um, I remember going to school the next day and um, someone making fun of me and saying I smelt like burnt sausages. <laughs> and, and it was like quite a funny, but it was a very Did traumatic thing. Did you say thing. what you had? <laughs> I, I said yeah. there was a fire where I lived last <laughs> night, but sure. Um, and I remember seeing the damage from the fire afterwards. And there's something very visceral in seeing a fire damaged place, room, property, house, anything. It's so visceral, you know, like fire is such a destructive force. And when you're confronted with the damage it's capable of, you just think, oh my goodness, you know, and to be a firefighter, to be the person that has to run towards that force as opposed to away from that force, it's pretty fascinating really, you know? Um, so when we think about fire departments around the world, um, we actually can go all the way back to the Roman Emperor Augustus um, in 24 BC, who is credited with instituting a kind of group of firefighting vigils or um, watchmen that were, there was responsibility was to look out for fire. So they had to um, check and you know check that things wouldn't catch fire, prevent fires as they developed. Um, but this was kind of um, this started. This was the original principle, and they, they their firefighting methodologies was a bucket passed along a um, person to person along a chain, which it sounds stupid. But when you didn't have a hose, no, before that, the advent of the hose, which that's is the most effective way, absolutely. So it was this really interesting thing. Now, of course, another firefighting tool, which I didn't really realize, but when you think about cartoons of firemen or pictures of firemen in storybooks, is they're they're holding a hose, and what's the what's another thing they hold? Can you think of it? I'll do the action. Oh, an axe. An axe. And so this is interesting. I did the action. For, it was good it acting. Was, it, it was, was good very acting. good acting. Good axing. Yeah. Um, so then, so then um, was an axe. And an axe was actually meant to remove the fuel and prevent the spread of fire um, and allow for openings that let the heat and smoke escape. So I never really, when you think about someone with an axe in a fire, I thought, oh, okay, I guess it's for chopping down a door so they can get to someone. But actually, it's also to allow that heat and that smoke to to exit to because diffuse, it's to, to yeah. diffuse so it's quite amazing that this very basic tool has that kind of um that that purpose so um yeah so the other thing that um, people tend to do when they tend to fight fires is to create things called fire breaks so that's an opportunity for the fire to stop right so that's putting like a flame retardant material or a gap so that it basically you're containing the fire all the time but you know you have to be quite systematic you have to be quite um smart about the way that you that you approach a fire it's not it's not hazard it, you know it's it's a chaos and you're trying to contain a chaos you know it's mind-blowing really so there's all these different ideas of um so we have firefighters and they 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 have all these different methods from very very early on people are realizing okay we've discovered fire as a species well we need to also contain it because it's probably not very good for us to let this stuff go loose now we have other examples of a history of firefighting including during the edo period 1603 to 1867 in japan now japanese firefighters had a really unusual technique for fighting fires what they would do is they would bring water pumps and hoses to obviously where there is a big fire but they didn't aim the water pumps and hoses at the fire instead they wet themselves with the water so that they would be less flammable so they would douse themselves in water um, and then they would have these outfits on that would absorb even more water so they could put on clothes that would weigh up to 34 kilos Whoa. And then they would ra run over to the fire with um, hooks on poles and things and try to pull the building down to smother the fire. So, of course, when we think about fire prevention and people say, you know, 
tuck tuck and roll, like lie down on the floor and roll, or fire blankets. Fire you blankets, smother it because yeah. that's stopping oxygen, which is yeah. one of the um, one of the fuels for a fire. So this is what they did. In principle, they tried to just pull down the whole building because it would smother the fire. Um, but of course, that means you destroy the building. <laughs> and so um, obviously realizing that, um, but I mean, their belief was that preventing the fire was more reasonable than saving the house, which is probably true. But of course, not very practical today with the kinds of architecture we have in, in, Hong, in, in Hong Kong. <laughs> now, um, Interestingly, um, I came across the first recorded um, woman who was a firefighter in official capacity. And she was a rank-and-file firefighter. Her name was Molly Williams in New York. Um, and she joined the um, the firefighting brigade in 1815. And she was also one of the first people of colour to be an official firefighter in America. But of course, that brought some intense baggage with it. She was a slave. She was the team's cook. So she was a firefighter. She did really well as being a firefighter, but she also had to do all of other, the other things, things as well. It's kind of a metaphor for just being a woman. And um, in 1818, um, in New York, it was hit by um, this influenza epidemic and a blizzard. And of course, what this did is basically, um, it was like an epidemic of man flu because it took out every male member of the New York Fire Department. So for a period, she practically was the only member of the fire fire brigade that her robust constitution meant that she she was the one that was having to pump water and go and tend to these emergencies because everyone else was down with the flu um but apparently i didn't realize this but the history of firefighting really does have this kind of quite subversive racial undertone to it as well and interestingly um as admirable as it is a profession now, because it is, as we were talking about, uh, for a long period in Eastern European history, some communities uh, were very suspicious of firefighters and they were very violent and hostile towards them. And the reason, which is utterly disgusting, was because in the late 19th century, firefighting was one of the few professions in Russia, Ukraine, Poland, that allowed Jewish people to enlist. So people, of course, Eastern Europe in that time was not a very welcoming community for people Jewish, of the Jewish faith. Yes. And so um, what happened was that all these, um, but of course they were still brave human beings signing up to protect people from these deadly instances. Um, and even then, um, so so they save such, lives. So they save lives, but they're just not treated thanked for it. Like, yeah. And apparently, um, in um, in Belarus, there were riots that broke out over a farming tax that was meant to fund the fire department because some of the firefighters were heard speaking y Yiddish. Oh. That's how like anti-Semitic the um, the the entire like the entire continent of Eastern Europe was towards firefighters of Jewish faith. Like wow. it's it's terrible. And, and to think that it was within the last hundred years. Absolutely, it's it's really disgraceful. And then I mean, but even now we do see examples of people not racially as, as such but people kind of not understanding the value of a firefighter that these people in our community that really keep people safe and do save lives and risking their, and own, risk lives. their own lives and um i think at the moment what's really a hot topic um which is in the news i don't know if you've seen the um the comedian john stewart who has been campaigning on behalf of the 9-11 first respondents yes. because um u.s uh, so basically there was the zadroga act which um was uh, for first responders to the september 11th 2001 attacks on the world trade center they were meant to receive medical coverage for life um but in 2015 government officials debated stopping 
that coverage when the initial funding ran out. And now, again, like one thing we think about with firefighters is there's a fire. Another thing that firefighters are really involved in is is extricating people from trapped trapping situations, people who are trapped. Firefighters are experts at that. That's what they do. I mean, the fire is just, you know, part and parcel of the whole thing. But, you know, they were the people who showed up the minute that those towers fell to try and find survivors, right, and to help in that situation. So it's been in the news at the moment because, obviously, uh, John Stewart's been campaigning on behalf of them and reporting the problem. Um, and um, because um, and the U.S. Congress voted to extend the act now um, to give them uh, some more coverage for another 75 years. Um, and actually, President Obama was the person who signed it into law in December 2015. So this is this thing that you can't like they say they risk their own lives. Many of them have died as a result of the injuries they've sustained and the health problems that come with going into a disaster zone like that. Post-traumatic stress Absolutely. disorder. I can't um, imagine. And people how were just going to say, oh, no, we're not going to fund this anymore. So it has been a like that's another reason I want to talk about firefighting today, because it is kind of been in the news recently, because these are people that risk their lives and they deserve they deserve to have that recognized. Now, here in Hong Kong, which is also quite interesting. So as I mentioned, we do have quite a celebrated fire department um, and credit where credit's due. A lot of my information is taken from an SCMP article by the journalist Hannah Davis. So um now, last year, so 2018, Hong Kong's Fire Services Department um, marked its 150th anniversary. So they've been around for quite a long time. And they top all these polls in terms of Hong Kong's, uh, you know, their, their most, the most popular uh, local agency uh, for, for kind of like this sort of thing. Um, the police force, by comparison, was second last and beat only the People's Liberation Army. So like the, the firefighters are quite up there for... for better or worse they're, they're very well respected maybe the government should get the firefighters to come out yeah, they could do some the police could do some tra- yeah, yeah. yeah i you think know, so you could maybe le- leverage some of that, that that good reputation exactly um so we want to look at why um why are they so why are they so celebrated and it's because um the department's not only just called to battle infernos and huge out of control blazes but they're also in Hong Kong especially, they're a big part of search and rescue missions in times of disaster. And a lot of the time that's for when um, people who are hiking go missing. And I've seen this a few times um, when I used to live in like uh, quite near to the country park near mid-levels and you'd see like a helicopter go over and a hiker's been lost and someone has to go down. and People going them. out, Typhoon 8, going yes, hiking. Yep. And, yep. and it's really, it, you know, it's expensive to get a uh, hundred firefighters trying to look for you. Absolutely. And um, there was a very tragic incident in May, uh, sorry, March 2017, where a principal firefighter, Yao Xiaoming, died while trying to rescue two trapped hikers at Chiu Shao Nam on Maan Shan mm. because of poor weather. Um, he was hailed as a hero. Um, and top government officials and lawmakers gathered to pay their final respects to the funeral, which they definitely should have because That's he was so a hero. Sad, yes. But I mean, this is it's. And then in September that year, four firefighters stayed overnight on this freezing cliff in Kowloon Peak to rescue a stranded pair of hikers during again a tropical storm. Um, and their efforts again were widely praised and also brought about the um, a lot of you know people who need to like. You know, people on the online were like, "What were you doing hiking, you I know. idiots?" You know, it you're... could have been avoided. And it's like you said, it's just extra tragic when somebody, a firefighter, loses their life trying to save, you know, idiots. Oh, absolutely. You know, and um, so when we think about the history of the fire, the fire, um, fire department in Hong Kong, we've got some. Um, it's quite an interesting history. So in um, 
in we kind of go can go back all the way to 1868 um, where we have a, a man called Charles May he was appointed to the first superintendent of the colonial fire brigade um, before that the fire department had been a sector of the Hong Kong police force but they kind of branched apart um, today um, so the originally in the 1920s the fire department had about like was whoa it's so big it had 140 members initially it started with 62 it went to 140 um, today the fire department has no, over 9,900 uniformed officers and 736 civilian members so it's a pretty big wow. a big organization um, and of course we have a lot of uh, symbols of the uh, department one thing I thought was particularly interesting I didn't know about this because I think I've just missed out on it because unfortunately not speaking or reading Cantonese I miss out on a lot of local news but um, there was the department have a uh, a little mascot called anyone are you familiar uh, with him? Oh, yeah. Anyone? The, the blue guy. The blue guy. So the blue guy. So it's basically um, a blue character in black shorts whose odd appearance has made him the source of quite a lot of contentious stuff. Um, so basically the, the whole inspiration behind their character, anyone was that anyone is not a mascot or a spokesperson. You and I are anyone who can help out in the community during emergencies. So this was what they sort of said as like, this was the thinking behind him. And everyone was like, he's ridiculous. He's the stupidest mascot we've ever seen. Until they thought, oh, let's let's get rid of him then. And everyone's like, no, no, don't get rid of him. And like, everyone had actually become quite fond of him. So he's weirdly he's we likeable. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, I, I think the message behind him is quite spectacular, but... um. But yeah, and of course, Hong Kong has had its fair share of some pretty um, horrific uh, fires um, in 2016. And there was a, as we were just talking about off air, off, off, off air there was a, uh, sorry, blazes are categorized into several different things in Hong Kong. So I think it goes from one to five um, alarm fires. So one, one alarm to f um, five alarms. Um, five alarms being the most severe. In 2016, at the Amoy Khan Industrial Center, there was a fourth alarm fire on the third floor of a self-storage facility in Nautau Kok, and that burned for 108 hours, Wow, yeah, um, which was, was the massive. longest blaze in two decades. Um, and interestingly, so the multi-story industrial building, which was built in 1950, was legally exempt from having a sprinkler system because of its age. And as we mentioned, two firefighters um, passed away in that case um, from smoke inhalation, you know, which is still, I mean, you have to remember when a fire burns, it's really, really hot, like really, really hot. Like what you bake a cake at yeah. is a quarter of what a fire feels like. And that's what people have to go in and, Trying to save other and try people. and save other people in. It's remarkable. Um, so, of course, there's also um, in 2011, I remember this, the Fayun Street fire. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so there was a stretch along the Fayun Street shopping market. Nine people were killed and 34 people were injured. It took the efforts of 210 firefighters um, and more than 100 people were left without homes after the result of that. Um, in 2000, there was a fire at Immigration Tower, uh, where the tower was a site of protests of visa overstayers from mainland China who were demanding the right of abode in Hong Kong. They ended up lighting thinner, um, and that created a massive fire on the 13th floor. 50 people were injured, but sprinkler systems extinguished the flames. And that's another part of like a lot of what the fire department do is fire prevention. And I think that's the other thing in Hong Kong that sometimes it takes a big fire to remind you to check your stairwells and yeah. you know make sure that 
there's a fire bucket or make sure you know where the hose is and yeah i live in an old building yes yeah, so, so do i my building is very old it doesn't have a lift i don't yeah. think yeah i don't think we've got a sprinkler system or is yeah. it legally they have to well have i sprink- think in other countries you legally have to have i mean we know in like in my in my mm. flat we installed our own smoke detectors because oh, in hong really kong good. you don't legally have to have no. them but i remember when i was living in new zealand a few years ago you do you have to legally have fire det- um, smoke detectors in every room yeah. so we installed our own here um also this was after the grenfell tower fire last year like i think we all kind of were like got a massive wake-up call then that just because we live in a first world global city doesn't mean that we're immune to the effects of an incredible force like fire if anything i think it makes it scarier you know i have friends who live on the 64th floor 64th floor yeah and you know and 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 it's got 80 stories their apartment and you just think wow that's a long way to run down if there's a fire because you know in hong kong these you know you've got 50 stories or something yeah, yeah. for these apartments sometimes i wonder where people escape to yeah. great view well, i think but- sometimes they that was what happened with Grenfell Tower. They said yeah. you don't, you don't, don't leave. There was like there's lots of different ways of fire prevention. So some of the fires that have happened in Hong Kong, I think there was one example where um, uh, the the building was undergoing renovation. So the fire the fire doors, which you see in buildings in Hong Kong, fire door, you know, fire door must keep closed. Yeah, that's there for a reason. That's a fire breakage point, so the fire can't pass through that door. Two doors usually. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so this happened, and um, the, the building was under renovation, so that those doors weren't working. So the fire spread even more. You know, so it's it's. I think people kind of forget about this fire prevention thing that it's really important to be to be careful about it. And a lot of people put rubbish and um yep. and and big pieces of you know dumped cardboard. Uh, cardboard or, or cupboards in the stairwell. Yeah, it's so true. And if yeah. someone doesn't get to that for a day, that's again like a huge, a huge reason that something wouldn't go right. Okay, so I have some quotes to end on. Um, the first one is by Ralph Waldo Emerson. He says, "A hero is no braver than an ordinary man, but he is brave five minutes longer." Um, the next one I have is from, uh, uh, a few that I have actually are all from firemen. So the thing is, the funny thing about firemen is night and day, they are always firemen. Gregory Walden, the fireman, said that. And the next one, um, Dan Felix, he said, in fire, you can plan everything out to the minute. And a minute before that, everything changes. And a poem written in, uh, in support of Feynman in 1878 uh, by Frederick G.W. Fenn said, But allowed the praises and give the victor crown to our noble-hearted firemen who fear not danger's frown. Wow. Yeah. Salute to our brave, brave yes. firemen in all societies and the ones in Hong Kong especially. Absolutely. Thank you very much, uh, Cruzy, for your sharing this week. Until next week, thank yep. you very much indeed.